welcome to another episode of Everything Fast Pitch with Fast Pitch Prep with Coach Don. This is Coach Tori, and today's topic, we're going to spend some time talking about something that um, has become quite the trend in uh, our game of fast pitch softball, and that's specialization. Um, so let's start off with uh, just a kind of a quick little um, recap. I'm, I'm an old old coach i started coaching way back in the 70s and uh, so i'm I have to admit that i'm from a different time and place and i st- still see things from a little bit different perspective but one of the things i hate hearing now and i hear it more and more is kids quitting all other sports giving up all other uh, uh all other almost all other activities just to specialize on on softball and so um wanted to talk about that a little bit today and kind of share some thoughts um i personally think it's a really 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 bad idea well, as you said i think uh it's becoming more of a trend now just because everybody's spending so much time uh excelling their game whether it's uh you know through conditioning or or um you know more off-season training and any spare time that they have they're trying to get better uh at one sport or another and you know long time ago uh as you said early goings 80s 90s uh, a lot of times the very best softball players were also exceptional basketball or track stars or um, you know they they in the off season did other sports and um, were trying to find what they were excited about and it seems now that it's so competitive uh, as everybody's chasing that opportunity to go play in college or be a part of that elite team in your area uh, you know it's just so competitive that we almost feel like any spare time we have needs to be spent, uh, you know, polishing our game. And uh, I think a lot of times these young players or athletes are missing out on, you know, maybe even being a part of something that they might like better or be better at um, in terms of another sport. But they're having to lock in so early that, uh, you know, they don't get a chance to experience or, or, you know, find that out. Right. Well, and and here's the uh, the the core of of my thinking on it. Um, I think that the idea of specialization, even though it's well intended, um, honestly is counterproductive to me. My way of thinking. Um, there's a lot more negative that can come from spending all your time specializing and, and focusing on just one sport. Um, and uh, so I think those are the negatives. Those are the cons I wanted to, to dig into a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, thinking about the pros first, so for the people that are um, – making this leap of faith that are deciding to specialize and uh, spend all their time and effort on just playing fast pitch softball um, here's some of the reasons that I hear of why I think people are doing it Uh, first and foremost is uh, you alluded to it Don that uh, it's so competitive if my kid wants to get a college scholarship they're going to have to work every ounce of energy and every uh, amount of uh, effort they can into chasing after that dream of being a college softball player. So I think that uh, um, a lot of people have it in their heads that if they want to have a chance to compete in that arena, that they have to spend uh, an extreme amount of time working on their game. 
so yeah no that's uh that's that's pretty much a lot of it is you know all of our extra time needs to be focused on what what the the main goal is going to be yeah and, and another one of the reasons that i hear that people are specializing is that uh um for most of the kids uh, again with the idea of chasing a college scholarship or a chance to play college softball as the as the end game feel that uh it's sort of like a keeping up with the joneses kind of thing that uh other players are doing it that they've heard of, uh, you know, or other kids that they play with, um, also making that commitment and, and giving up other sports um, so that they can focus their energies and, and, and really try to chase after the, the dream of being a college softball player. So, um, so I think that there's reasons why people think it's a good idea. Obviously, my uh, uh, position and, and, and the argument that I'm going to make today is to try to convince anybody who thinks that that's a good idea that uh, um, I think that there are some things to consider and some things that they should be thinking about. So, um, number one, and this is uh, um, probably my most fundamental concern, is softball for lack of a better way to say it, is basically a destructive game for the phys- for your physical conditioning and for, your, for the human body. Um, baseball and softball both you know, have, have long been tied to um, different kinds of injuries um, because of the nature of the way the game is played. Um, you're throwing tons and tons and tons of balls overhand. You're striking tons and tons of balls with a bat Um, you're accelerating and decelerating you're doing a lot of things that are very very specific to very specific muscles and very specific parts of the body and one of the things that i'm seeing at an alarming rate is overuse injuries for players playing our game um and uh, of course you know, when we talk about overuse injuries i'm not talking about a kid who sprains her ankle sliding into a base or or uh, breaks a finger you know diving for a ball um but the kids who have rotator cuff and torn labrum and uh, um, those kinds of injuries is off the charts and especially uh, in our part of the country but i know it's true in other places um that uh, you're seeing an awful lot of kids with overuse injuries. And so I think that if uh, um, we are specializing and spending all our time working on just playing softball, that we have to understand that there's going to be an inordinate amount of wear and tear on the body. Well, I know... uh you know, in our in our area, we've got the weather in our in our favor to play all year almost. And uh, a lot of times, I think folks that live up north are pushed into spending a little bit of time indoors and um, might be a little more limited in terms of the wear and tear uh, with their with their weather limitations. But um, we definitely got a situation where you, you'd said earlier about keeping up with the joneses and Susie's a great player and she's doing it three four times a week so we need to do it five times and uh push into the point that uh you know we're we're not going to be able to keep up physically so yeah that can be that can be tough for sure yeah well i know uh, the last year i coached uh the team i coached at kennesaw state um 80% of the kids on the roster, so uh, a very, very high percentage, had all had some type of surgery related to an over, overuse injury. So um, I don't think that that's exceptional. I think that number is uh, pretty accurate for an awful lot of kids that make it to the college level. And um, the vast majority of those kids did specialize. They played at some point in time, focused all their energy on, on softball, uh, maybe not so much at a very young age, uh, but certainly as 
as they got into the high school years uh, and and started uh, really thinking about college softball um, as a as an end to uh, means to the end um, that they were definitely focusing all their energy on playing the game and and, and working on the game and uh, again I just think there's a lot of things about those uh, movements and a lot of things about the the things that we are constantly practicing that's just inherently damaging and uh, so I think that that's uh, my first and and, and number one concern second and this has nothing to do with physical well-being but it has to do with mental well-being the amount of kids that are burning out as is to me a real concern i'm seeing more and more kids um, at the 11th hour deciding that they just don't love softball that much that they don't want to keep playing Um, that uh, the thought of um, all the work that they've done to get to the point where a college career might be realistic and then they find out that that college career is going to require even more work and more specialization and more dedication and i think the mental anguish and the the burnout that comes along with that is um, is a real issue. Um, I, I don't know about you, but there's very few things that I want to do for three or four hours every single day of my life, and going, yeah. and to keep going and to and to never have a break from it. Um, and I think when you add that in to the fact that for a lot of those kids, their arm hurts, their knees hurt, their hips hurt, their ankles hurt, their hands hurt, whatever it is, from all the wear and tear from all the training that they've done, ends up leading to an awful lot of mental anguish, and, and a lot of kids that I think end up falling out of love with the game of softball no there's no question that uh, you know the the rigor of the the need to do more and and to get that opportunity that everybody tells them that they should be excited about um being the college uh experience um can really be I guess hazardous to their their mental state. Um, you can easily tell when we've got kids in that are training with us. You can look in their eye and see if they're excited and hungry about you know the opportunity to work out that day, or <clears throat> excuse me, um, or if they're you know kind of at their wits end and and just doing it because they've been brought you know to the arena to come in and work out again. And it's a little bit disheartening for me too because it's a lot more fun when they're excited about it and. You know, if they're healthy and feeling good, it's it's more exciting to get out there and, and train and work and compete and challenge yourselves. But uh, often, um, you know, the long weekends of all day practice or, uh, you know, leaving a high school setting where they've been, uh, you know, training every day of the week. And now it's the weekend and they got to do it some more. Um, but it's a little bit uh, disheartening when, when you can see that look in their eye like, uh, this might not be what I'm excited about doing today. Right. Well, and, and that kind of leads me into the, the second half of the uh, mental anguish side of this, the burnout side of this. Um, I think it would be very uncommon. Um, and of course, I could be wrong, but I think the number of kids who choose to specialize in anything, to put all their efforts 100% into fast pitch softball, are not making that decision themselves. I think sure. it's um, it's top down pressure. I think it's coming from mom and dad. I think mom and dad are are certainly the ones um, uh, thinking about, and especially at an early age, thinking about the idea of a scholarship and and competing with someone to uh, to get ahead when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, my guess is that you don't lay in bed at night thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to train harder at fast pitch. I've got to spend all my time going to lessons. I've got to train to compete to get that college scholarship. Um, you know, some kids maybe think that, but I think the vast majority 
um, are happy doing what they're doing. They want to have some variety. They look forward to doing other things. And uh, so I think that uh, uh, mom and dad play a role in the um, uh, burnout aspect of this because I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of times when uh, the kids um, do feel pressure and, and do feel uh, uh, anxiety that uh, is, is placed upon them by their, their parents who are trying really hard to help them get ahead. I think a lot of times it's well-intended. I don't think mom and dad are thinking, how can I drive my daughter crazy and how can I make her um, hate playing softball or how can sure. I you know, burn the candle at both ends until she doesn't have anything left to give? I don't think anybody thinks that. But I do think that that is the outcome of it. Um, and uh, um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is I, I cannot imagine how much fun it is. And I'll put fun in air quotes uh, for a softball player of any age to have that car ride home after they didn't perform very well. You know, the uh, um, I can't believe that's the best you can do talk. We've done all this and that's what we get. <laughs> yeah, the we've spent all this on lessons. We've spent all this time. We, you know, I, I've never gone on a vacation. We don't go on a family vacation. You know, we do all these things for you to, to play softball. And then that's the best you can do. And one, so one for five. Yeah, one for five or, or walked a couple kids or popped up when the game was on the line or whatever it is. And uh, to the point now that uh, when, when I first start working with kids and especially when mom and dad um, are within earshot of, of my lessons I always uh, talk about uh, uh, reasons why I want them to work hard on some of the things I want them to work on and one of the primary um, examples I talk about is I don't want them to ever have to have that car ride again and um, you know the kids always think it's you know kind of cute usually think it's kind of cute because I'm calling out mom and dad and mom and dad can you know um, uh, can, <laughs> can hear it and and, and 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 know that you know that we're talking about them and, I, and I, it's not uh, you know it's not really negative negative it's just you know kind of making a point that um, you know there's there's things that we can work on so that you know that doesn't have to happen again and if they want to work hard on those things that hopefully we can save them that anguish but so um, specialization to me is something that I think probably is usually a parent thought not a kid thought um, you know I think that an awful lot of uh, especially younger players um, definitely want to be involved in a lot of things and so i've got a a quick little story there's a girl that i work with now that's 11 and uh um, her mom and dad are very very enthusiastic about her career they think that uh, you know that softball's you know, going to be her ticket and she's a good kid she's a good player um she's, you know of, of kids in that age group that i work with she's definitely one of the more talented more more advanced kids and uh, um, the other day, we ended up having a situation where um, it was, could she come to a lesson or could she go to basketball practice? And I think that they were dumbfounded when I said, well, I'm fine with her going to basketball practice. Um, you know, we'll, we'll work something out. You know, if she needs to miss a couple weeks of hitting or whatever, I mean, you know, let her play. And uh, I think they were kind of put, you know, put back by that or, you know, kind of knocked them off their comfort zone because I think they were expecting me to, you know, pile right on with them about, you know, well, basketball's stupid or you don't need to be doing anything else or whatever it is. And, you know, well, we'll figure out a way to make it work. And, uh, and, and their point was that softball's her number one priority. And I think that's fine. But I think think it can be her number one priority and still have room in her life for her to play basketball or volleyball or soccer or whatever it is and so uh you know to me 
you know, I think uh, um, it's it's important sometimes to help people kind of keep a perspective on that. No, I, I too have some some students that uh, you know you almost have to drag them out of the cage. It's like mom and dad are, are saying it's time to go, it's time to go, and they're like, oh, just one more, just one more, just one more. And uh, I'm super excited when we when we have that kind of uh, mindset and excitement inside the kids. And those mom and dads are like, she can't get enough. She just she's waiting, ready to go every time. But um, but we see both ends of that, and and I can sure uh, appreciate and um, respect when mom and dad try to create other activities and you know it's like hey we've got a sleepover so we're going to miss this weekend or um, we've got some other sports uh, during this season so we're going to lighten up on our training and uh, I definitely applaud them for for knowing how much and when because uh, we too often see the other so right so and then uh, the next point that I believe is is sometimes lost in the in the discussion um, specialization to me um, while we believe is a is a great way to focus our energy and make sure that we're spending all our time uh, becoming a better softball player I think that the from an athletic standpoint and uh, a training standpoint that there are some things um, from a physical perspective that softball players would gain from playing other sports for sure um, you know the, the one I think of all the time is soccer and uh um, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune of having um, a couple of extremely talented players. And uh, uh, one of them growing up played soccer and softball. And um, she was without a doubt the most athletic kid I've ever coached. She was the best at handling her body. She was the best at doing those crazy athletic, acrobatic kinds of things, moving in the air and you know, twisting and turning and all those kinds of things that allowed her to make an awful lot of those ESPN top 10 plays of the day kinds of plays. And uh, um, just you know, in, in passing one day, we were talking about uh, uh, her background. And, you know, she talked about how up until she was like 10, 11 years old, um, she was really torn between whether she wanted to play fast pitch or soccer. And, of course, now she was in, you know, a fairly serious soccer program also and played, you know, you know club level soccer as a, as a young girl. And, uh, of course, she was the, the girl that was still kicking boys butts um, when, when she was younger, you know, when the girls played with the boys. Um, and then eventually when she moved into, you know, playing with the girls, but she... Uh, learned how to manage her body different you know the things that a soccer player has to do to be able to figure out a way to kick that ball or control that ball with their feet just requires them to learn a whole different set of athletic skills and i think that's true of other sports as well well there's no question uh that our 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 sport all the movements we make are very dedicated whether it's running straight ahead to first base with a slight turn when we're around the bases or um you know we we know what's going to happen and in things like soccer things happen so quickly that we're having to cut and move and change directions uh, i think that strengthens um, a lot of our joints and and allows us to be more prepared for that unexpected movement um you know like you were saying for the the awkward dive or the um you know the unexpected things that might come up but um safety wise uh i think that cross training whether it's a lacrosse or basketball or soccer um i think they're they're strengthening different parts of their body and and uh just becoming a better well-rounded athlete for sure yeah we and i think you made a great point don that uh, when you think about softball it's really pretty much a straight line game 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, obviously you you round the bases and and you know, but the idea of cutting that corner going for second is to make that corner as fast and, and quick as you can and you get running it, in a straight line again. You know it's going to happen. And if you're out in the outfield and the ball gets crushed over your head, it's how can I make a straight line from where I'm at to where the ball's going to be and get there as fast as I can. Um, whereas with soccer, you know, there's a lot of manipulation and angles and things like that. And the other one that I have had a couple of kids that have a very different background is gymnastics. Um, a girl that I coached at uh, Tennessee Tech, um, when you saw her as a softball player in college, it was hard to believe that when she was, you know, five, six, seven years old, she was the tiny little kid that was up there on the balance beam and the the uneven bars because she had, you know, filled out and was, you know, a, a really good looking, uh, strong athlete. Uh, one of the most powerful players I've ever coached. Um, but uh, she was another one that learned how to manipulate her body and control herself. Her balance was extremely mm-hmm. um, you know, otherworldly. Um, you know, she could do things um, in the air, diving for balls and things like that, um, that uh, just was you know marvelous to see, um, almost you know, superhero-like. And uh, um, she ended up uh, you know, being another one of my favorites. And so, you know, that, again, that, is there anything more... Um, opposite from our game when you think about it than gymnastics but you know maybe gymnastics would be another great choice for a young player to to be involved in you know they're going to develop core strength body awareness balance those kinds of things so i think from a physical standpoint there's an awful lot of things that being involved in those other sports are beneficial for Um, and then also from the mental side i think there's a lot of things that our kids could learn from being involved in other sports so um, there's an awful lot of things when you think about in other games other competition that uh, would definitely you know raise the bar think about the concentration and focus that you have to have in golf or uh, maybe the toughness or conditioning from basketball you know kids that play volleyball they can jump out of the gym you know and so um and maybe even like swimming would be another one because those kids, you know, they're in that pool grinding away for, you know, thousands and thousands of meters at a time. Um, so I think there's a lot of mental toughness that could help our kids too. No, I, I, I like the swimming part for sure. Just the range of motion and the lack of pounding. We're not, we're not beating up the, the joints trying to participate there. But another one that I really, really liked, and I've had a couple students that are in martial arts. Very and good. the martial arts, they're, uh, again, just like gymnastics, the balance and body awareness and control. And um, the thing I like for, for our female athletes, too, is uh, self-confidence, that they're they're comfortable and they're okay. And, and uh, that gives them a, a good sense of uh, that self-confidence and discipline. Um, so we've had a couple that were... Uh, uh, you know, made it all the way through black belt and all that stuff, um, which I was really proud and excited of them for doing that. But they're also too, uh, you know, good strong softball athletes. So that was fun. Yeah, no, and I think uh, one of the things that's universal and, and uh, especially with young female athletes is once they get used to being good at something, they start to believe they can be good at anything. It's a habit. You know, it's, it's a habit. Being successful um, is a habit that you can train, um, and and whether it's softball success or acting success or singing success or black belt or being a great swimmer or whatever it is academics you know academic success i think once you get used to being good it's a lot easier to be good and once you get used to the habits that people who excel um have you know the hard work the dedication the commitment those kinds of things it's easy for that to translate into other areas of your life so um and then there's one last point that i want to make 
um, about specialization because here's here's really uh, maybe at the core of it why it troubles me so much. Um, I see it all the time that you know players will quit playing basketball or quit playing uh, you know, soccer or whatever that sport is um, because they're going to specialize. And for about a week or two, maybe three, maybe a month, they take that time that they were spending on that other sport and they are spending a, a lot of it on softball. Um, now, they're not trading hour for hour, minute for minute, because if they gave up going to basketball practice for three hours a day, um, I guarantee you they're not spending that three hours a day working specifically on softball. You know, all of a sudden they're texting a little bit more and uh, uh, Instagramming a little bit more and, and hanging out a little bit more. And before you know it, that three hours that they were spending becoming a better basketball player and a better athlete. Um, is spent in front of a screen um, with our thumbs on the keyboard, um, not getting very much done, and so um, that that to me I think is is one of the the biggest mis- misunderstandings and, and biggest mistakes that I see in this idea of specialization is that people think that there's going to be a direct trade. You know, if I quit playing soccer, I'm going to spend all that time on softball, and it just doesn't happen. It, there, there, it's it, you know it might be well intended they might think they're going to but very very quickly before you know it um there's other things that are filling that time and it's not making me a better softball player and it's not making me a better athlete now it might be making me a happier kid it might be making me a more well-rounded person but um, if we gave up that other activity because it was going to help us get that college scholarship i think we might have just shot ourselves in the foot Um, it's crucial for kids to keep some balance in their lives Um, to me i think the uh, specialists are much more likely to have injury problems. I think they're much more likely to have burnout problems. Um, I think they're a much less likely um, to continue uh, using that time and, and making that time as productive as possible. And uh, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that uh, there are no success stories because there are some, but I think that uh, if uh, we, we took a tally of the number of kids who gave up other sports to specialize in softball, how many of them ended up fulfilling that ultimate dream because of specialization i'd say it's a relatively small number maybe they're all different in timing but is there a certain time that we need to hone in on one sport i know when i was younger i I can remember playing everything we did everything we did soccer we did basketball we did volleyball we did badminton we did racquetball swam you know played baseball of course and uh you know, it was it was quite late when we quit doing all the other things before we said, "Hey, you know what? You're a baseball player." No, it's it's. It, it, it's I, I do think that uh, um, every player who makes it to college ends up specializing at a certain point in time. To me, I think they should specialize when they get to college. I don't think they should stop doing other sports until then. Um, you know, when I was coaching, I would always get that question: um, "Well, should she give up whatever?" to focus on softball is there, are, are there things that she would um, be better prepared for your program when she gets there if she would focus you know take that time and focus it and my argument always was if she's a enjoys playing basketball let her keep playing basketball if she enjoys playing soccer let her keep playing soccer if she enjoys being in the band let her be in the band 
And my thought was very, very simple, that I thought that what they gained from being involved in those other things was way more valuable than anything that they would gain by giving them up. And especially because I'm 100% realist. I know when a kid quits one thing, they do not translate that time directly into softball training. And so to me, it was always a lose-lose situation. They would lose the fun of being involved in another sport. They would lose the training or conditioning or the um, extra benefits that they would gain from playing something else and competing and winning and being you know, successful at it. Um, and I didn't, had no doubt that it would not translate directly into more training time. And honestly, you know, how many kids really are able to dedicate you know two or three hours of their own time every day for training on by themselves to make themselves better players because i don't know very many people who could afford to have a uh, hire a trainer you know sure. hire a, a doing full-time do a full-time instruction full-time lessons um you know, and, and uh, you know, when you're out in the garage hitting into the bonnet by yourself, I mean, you might be doing it, you know, diligently for 30 minutes, which would be nice. But you know, what are you? What about the other two and a half hours you spent at basketball practice that you now don't have anything directed to do? So, um, so to me, specialization is is a really negative uh, concept. I uh, would argue against it. Um, and for the people who are afraid of losing the race, that somebody else is going to get ahead of them. Um, you know, I think if, if you do a little bit of detective work, um, you take a good hard look at it, that you're going to find that uh, having your child involved in multiple things is going to end up ultimately making them a better, more well-rounded person. And so um, if, if somebody asks me about specialization, here's what I think they should specialize in. Being a complete, well-rounded, happy kid. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed the topic about specialization, and we're going to move on to one of my favorite stories, a little piece that I wrote and uh, Don and I have discussed about the mystery of the missing balls, which I think you'll all enjoy. Okay, so let's talk about one of the great mysteries of all mysteries at the ballpark. Don, you were a catcher, weren't you? Yes, yes, I was. And uh, please don't feel like this is an interrogation by any means, but uh, it might kind of feel that way because as a catcher, um, you are part of the central storyline that we're going to discuss today. So coaches, parents, you've all been down this road, so let's talk about a, a scenario. He just got done playing in a big tournament last weekend. He played six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. You get back to practice on Monday or whatever their next practice is after that big tournament, and you go out to practice and you look inside the bucket, and the bucket's supposed to be full of balls. Should have six, seven, eight game balls left over from the tournament last weekend, shouldn't you? Probably some nice pearls. Yeah, some some you know, almost brand new softballs that we could be using in practice. And something happens every single week. We get to practice, open the bucket, and there's not a ball to be found that's round, that's yellow, that still has any seams in it. There's four or five things in the bottom of that bucket, and they look like they've been through uh, D-Day and Iwo Jima and uh, um, 
uh, every other catastrophe that you can think of. Got red whiskers hanging off of them. And- yeah, and, and uh, there's nothing round about them anymore. And so... As a coach, you gotta shake your head and kind of wonder. It's like, well, what happened? So, what do you end up having to do? You end up having to go buy balls for practice. Well, Don, what do you think happens to those balls that should be in the practice bucket? Well, I think uh, that's kind of an interesting story because the catchers, as I, you know, always felt like I was supposed to be. Uh, taking care of pitchers right we got to make sure the pitchers have a nice game-like ball to warm up with and uh you know they always seem to be in my glove at the end of a game right we've struck the last batter out or the umpire hands you a bunch of balls and at the end of the game says hey you guys supplied the, the game balls today so here you go take them back and you know we're excited because we just won or we're upset because it was a tough day and, and so um, you've got a handful of a handful yeah, of balls they, yeah. they were handed to me yeah so you and, you you as the catcher <laughs> are in the chain of evidence. So, because so, as the story unfolds at practice, what happens to poor Coach Tory or Coach Freddie or Coach Ernie or whoever it is? You go and you look in that bucket and there's not a round ball to be had. So you went out and probably took you know, 60, 70 bucks out of your pocket to buy a dozen balls so you could have something to hit infield with and hit outfield with. And eventually you kind of get frustrated by that you can you just wonder you know how, how how can the budget possibly survive having to you know continually be spending money on equipment that we should already have and so um at some point in time you figure you might as well ask a question so hey what's happened to some of those game balls anybody know what happened to the balls from the tournament this weekend and i know i've asked that question and and always gotten the same response crickets and I'm sure I was probably down in the bullpen warming up another pitcher for another game or, or getting that next bullpen in for, you know, our third, fourth, fifth pitcher. Yeah, because being the so uh, I wasn't there, <laughs> the, the conscientious catcher that you were always working diligently, you would never have been within earshot of the question of no, where, no, no, where no. all those balls are. So um, so, you know, as the story unfolds. Um, and and I, I've gotten frustrated about having to go buy balls or try to practice with balls that look like my dog chewed on them for a week. Um, decided to do a little detective work. So I figured, well, okay, I'll start off in the locker room, looking in the locker room and digging around a little bit, looking in the storage closet, digging around a little bit, looking in the garage, digging around a little bit. Nothing. Can't find any balls. There's not a, a decent practice ball in any of those places. So now I'm starting to get a little frustrated, a little concerned. I'm thinking, well, I wonder what. So just kind of go back to practice, go buy another dozen balls, invest a little bit more, more a little bit more money. And uh, um, one day walking through the bullpen, I basically tripped over one of the catcher bags. And in a fit of frustration, you know, I went to grab that bag and kind of, you know, sling it out of my way. And when I went to pick it up, the thing weighed about 80 pounds. Uh Uh-oh. I'm thinking, what in the world is in this bag that it weighs 80 pounds? So I had to look. Don, what do you think was in that bag? (laughs) Well, probably enough balls to start a team, right? Uh, Yeah. So... The mystery of where all the good balls went, of course, because being the conscientious catcher that you all are <laughs> and looking out for the well-being of your pitchers like you all do. It must be a phenomenon. That 
you had to have 15 really good softballs in your catcher's bag. It happened to me. I don't know how they got there, but and, and fifteen we, might be an might be an under understatement. It might have been twenty. It might have been a couple of dozen. Enough for BP. Yeah, enough that uh, we definitely would have had plenty for practice. We probably had enough for batting practice. We probably had enough for like a whole season of practice. Everybody thought the big catcher's bag was just for equipment for uh, for protection, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah. you, you know, and, and I understand, you know, the catchers do have a lot of stuff, but so that sent me on a mis- mission. So, of course, uh, the first catcher's bag I looked through, and we had three catchers at the time, so all three of them had these big old <laughs> gigantic bags that uh, um, you could have uh, probably smuggled a player onto the plane uh, in, in, in checked baggage if you'd wanted to have somebody scrunch down a little bit to get in there. And when it was all said and done, I came out of those three bags with 41 softballs. Awesome. 41. <laughs> and I asked the question, so why and i got a lot of the same kind of stuff that you were talking about about how you know well we got to have some good balls for you know for the bullpens and and then it started to dawn on me i had a bucket of balls for the bullpen that were all like almost brand new pitching only balls it must have happened at some point during our lives that we were in trouble for not having a good ball for the bullpens knowing that uh, eventually we were going to be without that special bucket for everybody. 15? <laughs> Maybe. 15? It started with one. Wait, yeah, but um, see, there, there's a medical condition that they talk about when somebody starts with one and before you know it, they got 15. But it can't be all catchers. Could it be all catchers? Yeah, I think you're all hoarders. <laughs> Possibly, I think you're all hoarders. I think for some reason, because you know maybe you've well, taken one too many foul balls to the mask or something, you got to this in your mind that somehow those things are like. But it's so important to have a good ball that every time you come across one in the team bucket that looks like it might be the best one, that your pitcher would obviously need that one. So you take that one and then you compare them and then you forget to put the other back in. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to cut you a little bit of slack in this interrogation. <laughs> I'm going to give you that okay, I understand why you want to have a good ball. Maybe a couple of good balls. But a dozen a few of those were maybe like our favorite home run ball or I don't know. No, 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 cuz no. the the home run balls end up on a shelf someplace with Sharpie written on them. We were going to give it to the pitcher because they pitched a good game? Um, no, because if she pitched a good game, coach probably gave her a ball that was already sharpied with some sort of message on it. But it might not have been the real one that the umpire gave us. Yeah, but most of the balls that kids have on their mantles or in their trophy cases aren't the real balls anyhow. So, um, so you're 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 doing a nice job of trying to uh rationalize away the fact that uh Catchers are typically hoarders, um, but uh, um, but I, I guess I, I can kind of understand wanting to have a couple of decent balls in your bag. You know, we always tell the kids, you know, to make sure you got a good ball in your glove and you know that kind of stuff for glove maintenance. Um, but uh, did want to share this story and share this mystery because the mystery of where all the practice balls go really isn't a mystery anymore. And uh, coaches, um, if you're ever looking for a couple of balls for practice, because uh, the only things you've got left in the bucket look like your dog chewed on them or they've been out in the rain for a week or um, they've been run over with a bulldozer or something. Just go to that big old giant bag and take a look. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Thanks for listening to another episode of Everything Fast Pitch sponsored by Fast Pitch Prep. 
Everything Fast Pitch and Fast Pitch Prep are committed to growing the game of fast pitch softball, sharing our knowledge, and helping the game grow. Please contact us at fastpitchprep at gmail.com for any questions, comments, or suggestions that you might have. For Coach Don, our producer, Bo Ray, I'm Coach Tori Atchison. Thanks for listening.